this is Ann Robertson, the pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. This is the sermon from yesterday, which was October 8th, 2006. The sermon title is Character Development. It comes from the hymn in Philippians 2, uh, but also from the prophet Zechariah, who said famously, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That was the Old Testament reading for the morning. I should also say in this introduction that I'm proud that my new book is finally out and it probably won't be in bookstores for another week but it's supposed to be arriving at the warehouse tomorrow uh, Tuesday so it should be shipping out from Amazon very quickly and it's available it has been available for pre-order on Amazon and you can still get it that way and it should be able to ship within the next week. Uh, the title is God's Top Ten Blowing the Lid Off the Commandments and it's published again by Morehouse. Please remain standing for the New Testament lesson which comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians in the second chapter the first 11 verses. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, Make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. From time to time, I like to take issue with the use of the word Christian as an adjective. That is a word, if you don't remember your grammar, a word that describes something else. Christian behavior, Christian practice, Christian school. Certainly it can be a useful designation, and we have a general sense of what we mean by those things, and it would be hard to talk about the world and church if we didn't use it that way. But I think at its heart, the word Christian is really just a noun and can only really be used to describe a person. We take on the name of Christ at baptism and become Christian. You can't baptize a school. You can't baptize other things. You baptize people, and they, people are the ones who become Christians. We're people who've taken a vow of allegiance to God as revealed in Jesus Christ and who've pledged to live our lives from within that relationship. Being a Christian doesn't mean being a person who follows a specific set of rules, first and foremost, 
but rather someone who is committed to becoming a certain kind of person, to becoming a person who is like Christ. Christian faith isn't about rules so much as it is about character. It's not what we do, it's who we are. Now, what we do becomes part and parcel of who we are, but the who we are comes first. That's the primary designation. As we've talked about calling in these last few weeks, God calls us first to relationship and then secondarily to a particular job or function or vocation. The commandments and the laws are important. It's just that our best hope for keeping them is to focus on molding our character to be more like Christ so that living according to the laws of God becomes a natural part of who we are rather than something that's forced by the outside with fingers pointing and you should do this and you should do that. It, it comes from the inside out and is a response to the relationship that we have in love with Christ. Now, all of that may be true, but it's not much help to hear unless we're going to also talk about how we go about doing that, how we become more like Christ. The passage that I just read in Philippians about having the mind of Christ, which many scholars think represents one of the very earliest hymns in Christianity, I think gives us some clues. But before we go there, I want to go to the passage that Ken read from Zechariah, because I think that comes first. It comes first in the Bible, and I think it comes first in terms of developing a character that's like Christ. The setting for that little passage that Ken read is in the time when Israel's exile in Babylon has ended. And Israel has returned to Jerusalem after 70 years to rebuild the temple. It's around 538 BC. Zerubbabel is the king of Israel, and Zechariah is both a prophet and a priest who's there to advise the king and to help Israel. Now, Zerubbabel, who I'm going to call King Z for convenience, has a massive job in front of him. The temple that he's rebuilding now was the one originally built by Solomon which was one of the largest and most amazing buildings in the ancient world. And it got wiped out and burned to the ground by uh, the Babylonians. And it wasn't just the temple. The whole city was in ruins. The city that Solomon had given so much splendor to. And so the pressure is on. Israel has come back and they have in their mind the memory of the former glory, the former glory of the temple, the former glory of the city of Jerusalem. And it's tough to build, we see, when we looked at the books of Nehemiah uh, as they're rebuilding the walls and of Ezra as they're rebuilding the temple. And the people looked at the foundations of the new temple and they wept. It just wasn't the former glory that they had been used to. So how can you live up to that task? And Zechariah is there with the answer. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's critical. All the work that's about to be accomplished, the new city, the new temple, is not going to come about because of the might of King Z's army or the power of the royal throne. Israel came out of captivity because God ordained it, and the city and the temple will be rebuilt 
by the Spirit of God. Now, it will take human participation in that work. People will need to be obedient and cooperative with God's Spirit. But God is the foreman on the job as well as the owner of the company. It's God's might and power, not the king's will, that will get the job done. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Whatever task we face as Christians, if we're being obedient to God's will for our lives, the results are not ours to worry about. How can I possibly raise this baby, new parents often think. You can't. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. How can I manage this company? How can I face this illness? How can I go on without my husband? And as I thought when I walked up the steps of the First United Methodist Church in Cross City in Florida, my first church, I thought, how can I pastor this church or any church? And the answer is all the same. You can't. I can't. But the Lord can. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's God working in and through us that can do those things that seem impossible and that are impossible under our own steam. And so we face the pretty massive task of developing the character of Christ within ourselves. It can seem overwhelming. Others have done it so much better. Oh, I can't ever be as good as that person is. I can't do what they do. We stumble and we fail so often. How can we possibly do it? The answer is the same. We can't. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In the ordination process in the United Methodist Church, when it comes to the time of ordination, I had to stand before the bishop and they asked the question, do you expect to be made perfect in love in this life? Now to get ordained, you gotta say yes to that. And I'm thinking, well, if I live to be about 947, maybe. maybe. And I wrestled with that question and I went to my pastor at the time and I said, how do I honestly answer yes to a question like that. And he said to me, Anne, whose work is it? Are you saying that it's impossible for God to do that in you? I thought, oh, well, I guess I can't say anything is impossible with God. With God's help, through God's spirit, we can grow. And that message is our hope as we approach the beginning of the task as it was Zechariah's word of hope to the king. It's God's task beginning to end. With relief, we can give responsibility for the results over to God at the beginning. And then in humility, we give God the credit for the success at the end. Now that said, it's important to realize that we do have a role in all of that. God might be the queen bee, but we drones still have work to do or the hive is gonna falter and be lost. While some Christian denominations would say that if God wills it, nothing can go wrong, that's not the United Methodist take on things. We believe that people have real freedom and that much that happens in the world 
is a result of our either going along with the will of God or turning away from it, sometimes to disastrous results. And that's why molding our character is important. We need to develop our souls and our relationship with God to the point where we can most often make the choice that's going to be in concert with God's will. Now notice as we start out in the Philippians passage that this all springs from being united with Christ. Just minimal exposure to day-to-day life shows that we become like the people that we hang around with. A few years ago, I took a trip up to Bar Harbor with my best friend, Celeste. We'd been friends for 30 years, and we decided to do something to celebrate that. And just before Celeste left home for her trip, her daughter gave an exasperated sigh and said, huh, you're going to come back sounding like Anne again. I'm not really sure what she meant by that or why that was such a huge difficulty for her. But her point is well taken. When we associate closely with people, over time we take on the attributes of the other. Children have often developed the mannerisms and things of their parents. And then come behaviors and expectations and modes of thought. Not only do children model their parents, friends model their friends. That's why teenagers, your parents get worried about who it is you're spending time with. The the influence can go both ways, yes, but we tend to become like those we spend the most time with. And it's the same principle with God. If we want to become more God-like, we have to spend more time with God. A large part of our character development for Christians is the natural process of becoming friends over time. As we spend more and more time with the great friend, we go through changes that we don't even realize until one of our children notices that we're coming home sounding like God again, which means that developing that kind of character takes time. Even though our hearts may change overnight, As we repent, as we're heading this way, repentance in the Bible means to turn around. So we've been heading one way, and to repent means to say, you know what, this is the wrong way. I'm going to go this way instead. It's a turning around. And that may change overnight. We may start heading in this direction rather than that. But it's going to take a while, depending how far you've been going this way, it may take quite a while to get back even to point zero in the middle. I have a dear friend in Florida who periodically gets disgusted with everything in her life and decides to change. So when she wakes up the next morning, she vows that everything is going to be different. She goes on a diet. She's going to be in church every Sunday. She vows to spend more quality time with her children, to keep the house clean, to be more patient and understanding with her husband. And the list goes on and on and on. Tomorrow, I'm going to be this kind of person. It lasts about two weeks, at which point the stress of trying to make all those major changes at once just gets to her, and it all falls apart. And then she beats herself up because she feels lousy because she hasn't been able to do all she set out to do. And the cycle starts all over again. As we become aware of the things that need changing in our lives, that can be an easy mistake to make. And it's even easier for those around us who have long been aware of the changes we need to make in our lives. 
and have been hanging all their hopes for change on some sort of conversion experience. Don't expect of yourselves and don't expect of others that change is going to happen overnight. Character development is a lifelong process. John Wesley called it sanctifying grace. As we go on throughout our lives, God is at work in us, peeling off like the layers of an onion. You get one thing conquered, you think, oh, this is good. I've mastered this. And then you see the next layer. Oh, gosh, I didn't even know that was a problem. And you start working layer by layer. I heard someone once say, we don't go to heaven, we grow to heaven. And I like that. I like that a lot. But again, none of this is done apart from God. We need the work of God's spirit rather than our own might and power to accomplish the task. And we won't have the help of God's spirit if we don't stay connected. I'm going to begin sounding like a broken record since you've heard this in a number of different sermons. But the way that we stay connected is through the good old Christian basics. Prayer, worship, Bible study, staying in fellowship with other Christians. Whether you're asking how to know God's will for your life, how to find the joy and peace that you seem to be missing, or how to become more patient, compassionate, brave, loyal, humble, or loving, the answer's all the same. You have to put in the effort to get to know God. It's got to be a priority. And once we've begun to grow in that way, which, like our sins, is often more evident to others than it is to us, then we're ready to move on to the Philippians passage. Once we're that far, once we're that far says Paul, we complete the task of becoming like Christ by adopting the attitude of Jesus in our day-to-day -day lives. That attitude, as it turns out, is one of obedience and service to others. That's how we participate in God's work of transformation in us. We have to first get to know God well enough to understand when God is asking us to do something. The relationship has to come first, and then we're obedient and live in life to service to others. It flows out of the relationship. It's a response of gratitude, not something that's forced on us at the beginning when we don't want it. Now, there's a whole sermon in that alone, since it's easy to get mixed up. Service to others needs to be tied to obedience to God for our own protection. Without the obedience piece, dedicating ourselves to serve others can merely foster the development of tyrants and can be just a neurotic response of having to give. My call to serve is not the cry of someone for help. My call to serve comes from God when someone calls God for help and God decides that, Anne, you're the best person to meet that need. When it goes through God, it helps. It's a protection for us. I spent a lot of my life without that critical understanding. And I both burned myself out and went deeply into debt, giving away what I didn't have and providing things that I really didn't have to provide because people just came to me for help. And I thought Christians ought to help if somebody's in need, and there is so much need out there. But finally, I learned it's obedience to God 
And when God would nudge me, this one's for you to help. Okay. This one's for somebody else. All right. God is the intermediary. The Holy Spirit interprets between us. We address our calls for help to God. And God is the one to figure out how to provide what we need. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's a big topic, and we're not done. But for this morning, I want you to realize that attaining the character which will produce the fruit of God in our lives has its origin in our relationship with God. We work on that first. And when that begins to flow more naturally, then we have the guidance that we need to work out our kinks in relationships with others. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you, Jesus says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus puts that first, and then it's easier for the second part of that great commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. It starts with relationship with God, and then God's in a position to instruct you on how to proceed from there. It's a huge job, but we don't have to do it by ourselves. In fact, we can't do it by ourselves. It isn't by might. It's not by power. It's by God's spirit. Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts. Love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at ann at annrobertson.com. Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings.